I've noticed, so I edit, I edit our episodes, and um, every single time you say go exactly the same way at the oh, beginning. No. Don't worry, I always cut it out, but that's I'm just gonna <laughs> But it's like, oh, something I can count on. Aaron going, go, go. <laughs> something in this difficult world. It's so comforting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's such a very Linda Belcher thing to uh, do. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the <laughs> like when I don't remember what episode it is, but she's like talking on the phone to Bob. And she's like, every time she like goes to hang up, she's like, gotta go. <laughs> yeah. And Bob's like, Linda, you don't have to say gotta go. I we just said goodbye. You can just hang up. She's like, okay, gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> yeah. Then she says it again. I remember that moment. She says it again. I love Linda. Oh, Linda, we love Mona her. Mona Linda. <laughs> Mona Linda. W- welcome. Hi, everyone. We are continuing with our Bob's Burgers yeah. discussion. 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 <laughs> discussion. Um, Tevia does have a lot of discussions in that show. He does. It's mostly has discussions Bob's, with people. Has Bob's Burgers ever <gasps> done a Fiddler on the Roof? Oh, it's perfect. Reference. Right? Because the three daughters, well. Yeah. I mean, Jean, it could be, can be a daughter. That's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because Jean was a daughter in the Gale Tales, so. And imagine <laughs> Tina singing Matchmaker. <laughs> no, isn't it the, wait, I thought it was like the youngest daughter. Yeah. Who sings I, Matchmaker. I just feel like Louise would be like, don't make, maybe that's the angle then. Louise saying, don't make don't me make a match. Me match. I'm yeah. not doing that at all uh-huh. unless it's boo-boo <laughs> i've also always thought the three sisters in fiddler on the roof remind me of jane lizzie and lydia in pride and prejudice sure yeah yeah sorry mary and kitty you don't get to be in fiddler on the roof no sorry friends <laughs> but that's okay well so, so we're here to talk <laughs> about some bob's burgers some bob's burgers mm, burgers <laughs> I actually just had a spicy McChicken and fries. Yeah, you did. That's that's a good stuff. Yeah. Good cheap meal. Love it. Uh-huh. Um, and by the way, um, Bob's burgers are pretty cheap. It's like, yeah. like $5 for a burger. And yeah, they're like, he's... knowing like how much care and attention Bob puts yeah. into his burgers to only charge $5, that's like... He wants to be that that shop that you can depend on, where you can always afford a burger. How nice. (laughs) How nice is Bob? So in this, our series two of Bob's Burgers, we're going to talk a little bit about the coming of age story as it pertains to Bob's Burgers. And we're also going to think about the Gale tale. (laughs) So I think like... In deciding, like, to put these two topics together, I think we were kind of thinking of, like, literature and coming of age are, like, two things that often we we see meshed together. Yeah. Um, like, so much, like, classic literature, which I'm going to talk about, can kind of be viewed through that coming of age lens. Sure. Um, and so I think, like... 
seeing Bob's Burgers as a coming of age story for all of the characters is really kind of like one facet of like its literary ness. <laughs> in Absolutely. A way. Yeah, I completely agree. And it reminds when I was researching it, it reminds me of like a classic YA coming of age novel yeah. almost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the two or even are like kind a, of even like a Dickens in a way. <laughs> right. Like a like a great expectations or yeah. Sure. Oliver yeah, Twist. Yeah. Hopefully without the, you know, the the orphans and um and yeah. crime. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a little, there's low level crime sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, just a little. Um, but it's for the right reasons. But I don't know how you feel about them, but I love a coming of age story. Oh, I absolutely. Really, I think they're so comforting. And I, I found this really great blog post that actually takes you through like the four common steps of mm, a coming okay. of age story. Um, where I kind of wanted to start our conversation today. So this is a blog post from Healthy Joyful Living, um, and it's just called Coming of Age Four Stages. So we have the first stage here is the realization. So the character realizes that they are growing and changing. It might be it might come with a birthday or it might, or like a more concrete passage of time, or it more, it might come with like feeling differently about something. I think of the beginning of dirty dancing when we mm. see, Oh, what's her real name is her. her Baby. Real name is oh, Francis. Francis. I was like, I it's can't a real call grown this. up name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We see Francis, um, in that voiceover as they drive up to Kellerman's and she says, when everyone called me baby and I didn't know to mind. Mm. So it very much starts off. Um, and I, I think of dirty dancing as a pretty solid coming of age story. Yeah. So I think that moment kind of shows us the, the moment before the realization. So you're, she's driving up with her family. She's about to do this summer activity that she has always done. And then kind of throughout the course of that movie, she has that growing and realization as she sees the way different people are treated and different things like that. Um, and I just thought that was a really good de- um, kind of, not definition, but kind of example of the realization stage. And then we go to the second stage, which is the removal. So they're separated from what was normal or natural for them in the beginning. It might be a change of environment or it might be a change of the way you're thinking about your environment to use dirty dancing. Again, it's after um, kind of the first story arc goes, goes down and she sees um, what happens to the other dancer and she kind of has that moment and decision to help them. That I think would be kind of a removal from how she was, or it might be when she goes to visit the um, the dance hall for the first time, the dance hall where all of the employees of the summer camp were, or not summer camp, where all the employees of Kellerman's work down there and it's kind of different and exciting to her. So the removal from what once was into kind of this new life. And then our third step of the coming of age story is the challenge. So this is very similar to um, the hero or heroine's journey where there, that trials and tribulations happen. What? You know, you have to, <laughs> hmm, this might have to oh. do 
I was like, I was holding back so hard. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to talk about the hero's journey. I'm not going to talk about the but hero's it did journey. It. It's exactly, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then finally you get that reintegration where you've come into your own. And I think I really wanted to highlight those four steps just because I think that realization phase is a little different it's kind of an internal like oh I'm different now oh I might be feeling differently now or I might be changing or growing or what used to feel comfortable to me doesn't feel comfortable anymore Um, but that's kind of your four pillars of the coming of age story Um, and I'm sure as you listened reader you're not a reader you're a listener (laughs) as you listened um, I'm sure you could think of a few more stories that mm-hmm. follow this kind of loose framework here. But Bob's yeah. Burgers does as well. I was thinking well. of uh, Lady Bird. Yeah. A good, a good, I mean, it's a very specific white female middle class yes. view of a coming of age. Um, Absolutely. But I think it fits that, those stages, like, it fits into those, like, perfectly. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I remember we both saw that movie and we were just speechless at the end. We were just like, oh my gosh, I can't. (laughs) Well, and like, and it's very much like about us in a way. Like, we are both white middle class women. (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, this spoke to us. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, Lady Bird. (laughs) But Um. it's it's really, really good, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and the same can be said of dirty dancing also right, very yeah like a white female going through this process so bob's burgers has all four of these pillars but not in quite so much of maybe a dramatic way as a coming sure. of age story sometimes traditionally the challenge is something that's deeply challenging um the challenge might be a loss of a life or mm something that the character feels guilty about or shameful for some of the biggest challenges in in these stories have to do with identity or have to do with um, grappling with almost failure sometimes or sometimes like the loss of a loved one and the those repercussions go along with the coming of age story but that is not the case for Bob's Burgers it definitely takes it a little bit more lightly um, so each of the characters in the Belcher family go through their own coming of age story. Rhonda, I think that was brilliant of you <laughs> to talk about um, Linda and Bob because it's so true of them as well. They're yeah. very much still coming of age. I feel like I think everyone, li- everyone is always coming of age in some way or another. Yeah, like absolutely. That's just life, you know. And I think it's why they're so they're such moving stories is that we all still mm-hmm. feel, oh, yeah, wow, I'm grappling with this thing that I'm doing. I feel like if Linda were here, she'd be singing Coming of Age or some <laughs> other song about there is it. A, there is a song. What? Who does that song? It's like, feels like, feels like I'm coming of age. Is that Foster oh. the People? I think it's. It might be Foster the People. I'm going to Google it real quick. Go on. So, I, I'm just going to Google quietly in the background. But you can... Perfect. <laughs> so I collected a few standout episodes that kind of, that I think are major points on each of the characters' 
coming of age journeys. And it of is course, Foster the People. Okay. Oh, nice. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Just won your own trivia contest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think because Bob's Burgers is still going, there's not a conclusion. You don't right. get that kind of return to self or whatever. Right. But Well, and I think get- also like because of the of the kind of show that it is, I don't know that it's ever intended to have that kind of conclusion. Right. right? right. Like it's kind of an open ended series and like eventually it will end one day. Hopefully that day is very, very far Never. away from now. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't see it as ever having that kind of a conclusion at the end. Right. So I started with Tina. Tina, I thought had the most obvious ones, but then as yeah. I researched everyone else too, everyone kind of has some yep. obvious ones. Yep. It's like it's like they're well developed characters or something. It's almost <laughs> like this is a really well written show. <laughs> right. Um, so the first episode I have here is season four, episode thirteen, Mazel Tina, where. <laughs> Tina has to go to um, Tammy's um, bat mitzvah, <laughs> and she's just being terrible to everyone. And, T- and Tina's not even invited. She has to cater the event with <laughs> with Bob's Burgers. But then she um, she becomes the bat mitzvah planner because <laughs> the other one quits on her, and uh-huh. she like. She goes through this really big arch and arc in this story. Arch, wow! But she goes through this really big arc in this story because she goes from kind of wanting to sabotage Tammy to like saving the whole party and saving the day. And I think that's where we get the coming of age portion of that episode. I think is that. Tina feels like oh this is really unfair that I wasn't invited and of course that is really unfair but she grows past it to actually help Tammy and I think there's character growth there dang it Mm -hmm. Um, and also like bat mitzvah is very much a coming of age time and and it's just I wanted to special mention Tina because it's really hard to do that when you feel like (laughs) someone's being really awful and then you kind of rise above it so there, and also just the name Mazeltina. Uh, Mazeltina. <laughs> and then we jump to Boy Watch for Tina, oh, which is the one, of Latina. course, where she gets her summer lifeguarding job. <laughs> and it is really, really difficult. It's maybe outside of Bob's Burgers, it's her first, like, bigger job and it's also like a really intense social situation wait there is the episode where the kids work on the pot farm (laughs) yeah that one's really good (laughs) yeah oh i freaking love this show um and i think in this one you see you see tina like work through the process of oh this is too hard i don't want to do it till the very end where she does complete like the lifeguard training and she helps save the day. There's like a, a race that's going on the beach and she notices that the cones aren't set up the right way or something. <laughs> and she saves the whole thing and orchestrates there everything. Were cones. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, so again, we see Tina rising above here. Oh, the next one I had was V is for Valentine Detta, <laughs> which is where Jimmy Jr. Another a, a literary reference, which I will be yeah. I will be bringing up. Well, not that specific reference, but I think a lot of a lot of the episode titles have literary yeah. references. Yeah, they're really they're really really good about having those those references. I really I love all of. That's why I include all of the titles. <laughs> I just love them. And V for Valentine Detta is of course when Jimmy Jr. once again is rude to Tina and she goes with Linda and Louise to have like a better night. And it's just kind of one of those like I don't need him type of I don't know. It's just a fun just a fun romp through the city mm. um, for <laughs> Tina kind of coming into her womanhood. All of Tina's have to do with either rising above it or like writing some sort of wrong. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And then I see I'm getting long winded. But with Louise here, Louise goes through a really interesting um, character development period where she goes from kind of her like I'm going to take over the world world domination phase <laughs> into using her powers for good not evil like, so begrudgingly using her powers for good I would know yeah most of the yeah. time <laughs> she's like oh right like, I'll do the right thing <laughs> I guess I have to do this yeah <laughs> which relatable like same girl same oh absolutely yeah like there's that episode Thelma and Louise except Thelma is Linda where uh Louise gets detention for helping someone else and then uh Linda has to come to her aid and like grapples with her own I have this in Linda's character development too that Linda has to grapple with like dealing with the school and what they think is right versus mm-hmm. what's right for her daughter. So that's a really big moment for both of them. And then we have the overnight field trip episode, <laughs> Poops I Didn't Do It Again, where Louise has to go on an overnight field trip to an aquarium and she's too afraid to use the bathroom. Uh-huh. Lots of good stuff there about like, I love it when we see Louise grapple with something that she's afraid of because yeah. she's usually got such moxie yeah. and seeing her have to <laughs> grapple with oh no 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 I can't do this at all no I'm not not doing this um gives her some really good development well and you also have the boys for now on Louise's list I know you're trying to like not talk too long I- but I think the boys for now st- like Louise's whole storyline with having an an involuntary crush on Boo Boo is Ugh. like the best like storyline that Louise has. I completely it's agree. It's so funny. It's so funny. And she's like scandalized at her own emotions. She's, yeah. She's, she's like, like, no, this is not what I am feeling. No, thank no. you. No, thank and, you, sir. <laughs> and yet oh. she can't like she can't change it like she can't do anything about it except just give in it's like uh. (laughs) there's that moment when she gives in and she's grasping her um her 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 rabbit ears and she's just (laughs) screaming it's just so funny 
And I also think that's a big moment for her and Tina, too. Yeah. Like, to bond together. And Tina gets to feel like the big sister, which I think is really important for mm-hmm. Tina. She likes... Because sometimes Louise feels like the big sister. Like, yeah. Sometimes Louise feels like she's trying Louise to take that Louise has a lot more street smarts. And for <laughs> Tina to get to, like, teach her about, like, the sensitive side of yeah. things, I think is really great. <laughs> so Gene was really hard initially to find, like, his coming-of-age story because it's kind of hidden in there. And with Gene, I think it's all about, like, using his talent, like finding the talents that he has and using them with the outside world. So we have the first one was beef squatch, which is (laughs) when Bob gets invited to go on local access television and Gene dresses up like a Sasquatch (laughs) monster and ruins it all the whole time and kind of finds celebrity in that and finds celebrity for the restaurant in that he gets to be known as the beef squatch and kind of comes into his own as like a comedian and as a performer like that's a pretty that's a pretty funny thing he develops the bit for the television spot Mm -hmm. and I think it it actually even though it's not how Bob wanted it to be I think it actually works pretty well as an advertisement for the restaurant (laughs) so that's a big moment for Gene on his way um the it was really interesting the boys for now episode also has Gene's table setting competition I love the tablescaping it's it's so funny and it's kind of like the it's also like you mentioned almost like these are good writers right because they're all going through big things all at once right like gene is doing a really big competition where he's doing really well and then it all um falls apart and he has to figure out how to like grapple with that failure almost at the end there when he hasn't been told that there was a third one or something Uh there was a third table to be set and he didn't have the plan so he has to like use all of his intelligence and like humor to kind of scrap together at the end it still doesn't go his way no (laughs) but he wins fourth place he wins for because there were four finalists (laughs) and he doesn't quit damn it yeah he keeps going and the last one is my favorite for Gene is Work Harder, <laughs> Die Trying Girl, where he writes his own musical um, and then puts it on underneath the school because, uh-huh. oh, what is her name? Because she, his... Courtney, so like he he wrote a musical based on Die Hard, um, but <laughs> Courtney, um, her, like her dad wrote a musical based on Working Girl. <laughs> yeah. And there's like this, there's this running joke throughout the episode that like, uh, that like working girl is like the sassy, like female counterpart of Die Hard is like, (laughs) right. (laughs) And so like they combine their musicals together and call it work hard or die trying girl. (laughs) And I think for Jean, it's really hard and Courtney too. It's hard for both of them to like combine them, but it ends up working really well. Uh-huh. And I, I, I love it so much. I think I can just include the Linda and Bob ones in an Instagram post. Cause I went on 27 minutes here but, and I want to hear about the Gale tales, but all to say that Bob's burgers is a coming of age story for the Belcher family. Indeed. Tis. Tis. Tis indeed. <laughs> I agree. 
Now I just have cheer up, sleepy jeans uh-huh. <laughs> stuck in my Oh, what can it mean to us? That's such a, I don't care what anyone says. That's a good song. Who says it's a bad song? You're right. They should be stricken from the record. Like, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say that that's a bad song. I've heard people be like, oh, whatever. (laughs) And to them, I say, oh, whatever. Well, you just need to hang out with better people then. (laughs) I need my own coming of age story. Yeah. You need to ditch (laughs) ditch your friends who are doing you no favors. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well... (laughs) so that's a coming of age story if i ever heard one yeah ditching the friends who are doing you no good that's a great coming of age story um that's in a lot of them yeah Yeah. absolutely so i as i alluded to at the beginning of this episode i wanted to talk about the literary, so, like, I mean, the, the literary references in Bob's Burgers, but also just, like, the lit, like, how the show itself is very literary, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, we kind of already mentioned how, like, and it does this, um, with all of the main characters, it does this kind of coming-of-age exploration that feels to me like a very, um, well, like you said, like a kind of a classic YA novel. Yeah. But in, it also feels like any kind of really classic story um, that sure. does this kind of journey. But yeah, I do want to talk about The Gale Tales. Uh, yeah. But I also... Just wanted to recommend um, an article from LitHub. So the title of the post is Bob's Burgers is the most literary TV show ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, On LitHub. So we will include a link to that. Go check that out because it's just, it's a delightful article. Um, But this, this writer, Katie Yee, uh, like kind of mentions that like, she also wanted to write about, like, every literary reference in Bob's Burgers, but there were just too right. many of them, and she couldn't, you know, like, there's just way too many. She couldn't do it. Um, nobody could. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but she does run through, she does go through, like, a few of, like, the really standout kind of literary devices and, like, literary uh, not even like specific literary references, but just sort of like little elements within the show that read as very literary, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> she she talks about right off the bat in the second episode of the series, Crawl Space, where uh-huh. Bob gets stuck in the wall. There's It's a great <laughs> spoof of The Shining um, <laughs> by Stephen King. <laughs> so like just the whole idea of like, um, especially like the, at some point he's like trying to like get through the wall and you see his eye through, <laughs> like through the, whole, the wall. It's, it, it's, it's great. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in Yee's article, she also mentions how just 
the characters are kind of naturally drawn to literature. So like Tina, who writes her fan fiction. um, (laughs) Right. Um, And then Jean and Louise also both, you know, mention books pretty regularly even though like louise has an episode where like her whole story is that she doesn't want to read this book or wait is that tina or like she doesn't want to read the book and so linda reads it for her but then there oh. but then we also see louise reading quite a bit like she reads old yeller and like <laughs> yeah i think sometimes with louise she just wants it on her own terms sure she doesn't sure. necessarily want you to tell her what to do yeah absolutely <laughs> which relatable um <laughs> i mean yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> um and then we also have like linda like very I think fairly often we see her reading or we see her talking about a book that she read. Um, yeah. Like we know that she loves mystery novels. Um, <laughs> she go, she goes to the um, the like author reading for uh, the mystery novel at the mall yeah. in that one episode. Yeah. The deadliest zin <laughs> is what the book is called. <laughs> Oh, and then also Linda also um, does the the reading the children's book reading at the library where she like yeah competes with the guy who like dresses up in the wizard costume. <laughs> they like yes. get really aggressive and like all the kids leave. Um, <laughs> so it's just like it's just a very like literary book loving show, and I really appreciate yeah. that. Yes, but. I do want to talk in particular about the Gale Tales because, Gale Tales. as I mentioned, this is my favorite episode. It's so good. <laughs> and so we have the Ballad of Gale and Jojean, and we also have Gale of Thrones as two of the stories that are told. So, of course, in this episode, Gale um, shows up at the restaurant because... Um, her friend that she was supposed to go to this event with had to cancel. Um, And so, like, she still wants to go, so she is going to, like, take one of the kids with her. Um, Uh And so, like, the kids have to, like, compete to be able to go with her to this event by an essay contest um but they just write stories so jean writes the ballad of gail and joe jean which (laughs) is very much like a as i kind of mentioned last week it's very much that like musical biopic kind of (laughs) formula like it's a 1960s like country western duo so it's lindette and joe jean (laughs) And it's sure. Linda and Jean. And uh, Louise plays, like, the the talent agent <laughs> who, like, uh-huh. tries to sign Lindette as a solo artist. <laughs> and then um, Joe Jean meets Gail, and they become a duo and become, you know, very successful. <laughs> That's so wholesome and sweet. <laughs> I, and I love it. <laughs> and then Louise's story, we have Gail of Thrones, which obviously is inspired by Game of Thrones. Um, it's it's set in Catsteros. <laughs> of course it is. And Gail is the queen of Catsteros. Um, and, she, and she receives 
and a, uh, an official visit from Litterboxia. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> and so, like, Jean comes in, uh, or Tina and Tina presents Jean, who is from <laughs> the House of the Unfarting <laughs> Warlock. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, so like, honestly, this the plot of this story is a little hard to follow, which is fitting because Game of Thrones <laughs> often is hard to follow. So sure. it's great. <laughs> so we have like a quest with a knight and Louise is the knight and the, sure. and it has like cat dragons. Um, it's, it's really, it's really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then Litter also box, Bob yeah. door. Bob Dor is <laughs> Linda. Linda is the queen of Litterboxia, and Bob Dor is her is like the Bob the like court jester, Dor. and he's like like Hodor. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and of course Scott Bakula is yes, yeah. Is Scott Bakula in the Ballad of Galen Jojean? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember either. Oh yes, he is because okay. at the end Galen Jojean go to Hollywood and they meet Scott Bakula. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Like that was like Gail's stipulation was that the stories had to include Scott Bakula. They had um, to include. <laughs> of course they which did. Is perfect. Okay, but then we finally get to the coup de gras, hmm. the moment we've all been waiting for. Yes. Tina's story, Lady Chatterteeth's lover, oh. which of course the title is a reference. A very obvious reference to Lady Chatterley's Lover by D.H. Lawrence. Sure. But the story is much more reminiscent of Jane Austen. Yeah. So this is, um, of course, uh, my favorite, obviously. Of course. Of course it is. Um, (laughs) And then I also will post the picture from this on our Instagram I um I was I was telling Aaron about this before we we started recording today. Um, <laughs> I found this um uh, this Reddit post. There's a whole thread um on the Bob's Burgers subreddit about <laughs> about how handsome Bob looks as uh as Sir Bob <laughs> in this story. <laughs> And he really does. He really does, though. I'm like, yeah. Oh, hello. Um, <laughs> yes. So this is Tina's story. And she um, tells a story about the Chatter Teeth sisters. So we have Gail, Tina, Eugenia, which is Jean. Jean's yeah. one of the sisters. <laughs> and Louisa. And Tina longs to marry Lord Jimmy Jr. <laughs> That's his name. But she can't marry him until her older sister her older sister Gail marries. Sure. So Tina is trying to find a match for Gail, <laughs> but uh, the only man in their town is Theodore the blacksmith, which is Teddy. Oh, I love <laughs> Teddy. I know. Um, but then Sir Bob Belcher, um, <laughs> Lord and heir of the Belcher Burger Fortune, <laughs> sure, sure, comes to town, and and you know they are kind of like trying to set Gale up with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then at this point, Linda interrupts the story, and she's like, "Wait, you're not gonna have." 
have Gail end up with Bob, are you? <laughs> Tina's like, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry, it's fine. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so the whole town is going to the rich man's ball. And so <laughs> the night of the ball comes around and everyone is there. And Bob and Gail dance together. But then, then Linda appears. And Linda is Sir Bob's fiance from America. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's only marrying her for her money. So, sure. <laughs> yeah. So this causes Gail to be she's devastated obviously of course. and so she falls ill with pooping cough <laughs> um and so like she's lying in her bed um you know they think that you know she's about to pass away and so they they bring in the village um clergyman to give her her last rites and it's Scott Bakula Scott Bakula uh-huh. um and so this it, suddenly, Gail recovers perfectly, and then they <laughs> quantum leap into the future <laughs> to the day of her double wedding. Um, Gail and Scott Bakula and Tina and Lord Jimmy Jr. Um, have a double wedding. Of course. Um, and Bob and Linda get married, and they have a baby, but it's born with a tail because they're cousins. <laughs> oh. And then this leads Linda to, to like, assure them that that they are not actually cousins that they know right. of. <laughs> right. So we're just going to go ahead and break down all of the Jane Austen references yeah. that I see in this little story here. Um. So buckle up. Yay. <laughs> I'm Patty. Um, buckle so- <laughs> up, I'm so, like, very obviously, this is set in sort of, like, vaguely somewhere in the 19th century. Yeah. And is also very obviously inspired by, like, Regency romances. And then also just kind of, like, the cultural osmosis of, like, Jane Austen adaptations. Yeah. And period romance films in general, like... It's even if you, you know, know nothing about Jane Austen, like it's clear that that's what they're doing here. Yeah. And then the sisters plot line. So we have four sisters who are unmarried and who are living together and who are who need to marry for for some reason. So that plot line recalls both Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. Um, In Pride and Prejudice, we have five sisters and Sense and Sensibility. We have three in Lady Chatterteeth's Lover, we have four sisters. <laughs> Same idea. Um, <laughs> and then, so in Gail's storyline in particular, so where we have her, um, her would-be suitor already has a fiancé, she finds out. So this recalls Eleanor Dashwood's story in Sense and Sensibility. But then, so we have the whole scene at the ball where... Um, where the fiance appears and then, you know, this causing like devastation and then Gail getting sick and then recovering yeah. and then finding new love. So that whole sequence of events recalls Marianne's story and Sense of Sensibility. Sure. So kind yeah. of a combination there. I <laughs> and love then this I thought so much. the charming clergyman Scott Bakula <laughs> could be inspired by Henry Tilney from Northanger Abbey. Sure. 
Yeah. But it's also Scott Bakula, so I don't know. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> because, I mean, Jane Austen loves her ridiculous clergyman, but then she, she also has, like... So, well, I wouldn't call Edward Ferris charming exactly, but, but I mean, yeah, it's... So that's why I would say that it's more, like, on the side of, like, Henry Tilney versus Edward Ferris. Sure. But, yeah. And then <laughs> the joke about Sir Bob and Linda being cousins um, could be a reference to Mansfield Park um, in which Fanny and Edmund, who are first cousins, get married to each oh, other. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it could just be kind of a more general joke about, yeah. you know, people in the olden times marrying their cousins. But it also, you know could specifically be referencing Mansfield Park. We don't know. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing that I kind of thought of, just just like as I was riding the bus home today, um, <laughs> Tina being unable to marry Lord Jimmy Jr. until her older sister marries seems odd to me. Because, so it's said in the, in the episode, it's said that it's the law of the land. So, I mean, part like, part of the explanation for this could be, like, it's Tina writing the story. So maybe that's what she thinks. Right, is, right. You know. But in Jane Austen, there are several younger sisters who marry before their older sisters do. Like, Lydia sure. Bennett does. Um, Mary Musgrove marries before both of her older sisters. So, and I also don't think that it was, like, considered faux pas at all in the period um, like, as far as I know. So, yeah, like, it could just be, like, Tina's writing this story, and this is kind of her assumption, and yeah. she doesn't really know. Or it could just be, like, this element is borrowed from The Taming of the Shrew. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my thought. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I immediately thought of um, 10 Things I Hate About You, which is yeah. obviously to me the truth. So, yeah. yeah that... So it could be that, like, okay, so here's here's my headcanon explanation for this. So <laughs> Tina is clearly loves, um, you know, like, romantic literature. And so she, like, maybe, like, she knows that Clueless is based on Emma. <laughs> sure. And, and and then she also knows that like 10 things I hate about you is also based on classic literature but she but she maybe like gets it confused and thinks that it's based on Jane Austen some like something yeah. from Jane Austen and not from Shakespeare and so that's why she th thinks that we'll go with that that's a good explanation <laughs> yes okay that's my head canon about yeah. why Tina Belcher thought that this was uh this is a custom in, in the Regency period. <laughs> right. It's very important that I straighten that out. <laughs> well, I think I think it's a misconception that a lot of people hold because of just, like, the overall umbrella term of classic literature. So right. I think sometimes people get confused about that part of it. Yeah. Just like Tina. <laughs> totally. I could talk about this forever. I Me love too. this show so much. Me too. I love Lady... Chatterteeth's lover Chatterteeth. in particular. So that so there's another kind of another little like hiccup in Tina's understanding of classic literature that like obviously she's like 
connecting with Jane Austen. So, like, does she think that Lady Chatterley's lover is Jane Austen? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) Or does it all just fit under that? Oh, this was written a long time ago. A long time ago. (laughs) There we go. This is how it was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. Good I love stuff. this so much. I'm I'm gonna watch it again after I we're know. done. <laughs> I really do have it just on a loop in my home. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the Gale Tales specifically. It's so good. <sighs> so we are. Yeah. We have been talking for quite some time. <laughs> That's okay. That's yeah. okay. You know, I feel like. This is a free podcast that you can listen to for free. So you know what? If you feel like we talk too long, so what? So it's what? It's not costing you anything. It's not costing you anything. <laughs> you get to hear our voices for free for as long yeah. as you can stand it. <laughs> I'm not worried. All right. No. Um. <laughs> well, excellent. We will we will return to the topic of hey. Bob's Burgers next week maybe next week we'll talk about butts maybe we'll talk about some 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 puberty maybe next week we'll talk about fan theories i don't know we'll see fan theories on the show are so good okay (laughs) thanks everyone (laughs) we'll see you next time bye bye